All right. Amen. Well, guys, we're here. We just finished Ecclesiastes, which I want to thank Trevor for preaching the word last Sunday in a great way. Um, it's been very cool to go through that book. I, I'm very surprised how encouraging that book was, to be honest. When it starts with meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, right? But uh, it's been meaningful to me, amen? Very meaningful. And uh, again, we know Solomon was trying to play games with us a little bit to help us understand life. But now we're talking about something different. We're talking about death. (laughs) It's Halloween coming up, you know what I mean? Death. We're talking about that, right? Um, So let's go... We're, we're, we're going to be speaking about life, which was a book of Ecclesiastes. Then we're going to be speaking about death in a couple of the uh, Sundays now. And then we're going to talk about beyond. Amen? Amen. We're talking about beyond. And I hope that you're interested in this because this is so important to your Christian life. To understand these three things. How to live life the way Christ wants you to live. How you will die. What that is all about and the importance of understanding death and the role of it in your life and then beyond. And I say beyond because I could put heaven, but that's not all that's beyond. Amen. You know, heaven, you when you die, you're not going to go to heaven. I'm trying to provoke you a little bit. You're going to paradise. And do you know that? Do you understand that? That that essentially when you die, unless Jesus comes back and the final day of judgment happens, you are not going to go to heaven right away. Actually, paradise is the waiting room for heaven. And heaven is a new earth. Earth and a new heaven. And new bodies. Amen. And we're not going to be phantoms. We're not going to be ghosts. We're going to have real bodies that are immortal. We're going to be like Jesus when he resurrected. We're going to be able to... We're not going to be a body like the body we have now. Jesus could go through locked doors, guys. He could go through locked doors. The rules of this world do not affect the immortal body, the resurrected body. Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk about that. But before we talk about that, we got to talk about death. Amen? Where, O death, is your sting? Um, That's the title of this message. Amen? Amen. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. So... Ecclesiastes has been an amazing series. If you missed one of the chapters, I want to encourage you to get online, go on the app, and, and listen to it. Because, honestly, I'm going to keep listening to it. I'm going to keep going through the book of Ecclesiastes. Because it really helps me live life to the full. Amen? But let's define death right now. Let's define death. Like, oh, goodness, Glenn, this is a, this is a sermon. Death is a word that needs no adjectives. You ever see death with an adjective? Really? No, not much. Death. It, it speaks for itself. Yeah. doesn't need any color. It doesn't need any help making it intense. Death is intense. All you need to do is to go to a funeral. And you know 
the power of death to take away people's lives, to take away relationships, to take away life from people. The, the, the medical definition of death is defined as this, a sensation of all vital functions of the body, including the heartbeat, brain activity, including the brain stem, and breathing. I love how it's interesting the way the medical world defines death. The dictionary version of death is defined as um, the sensation of all vital functions of the body, including heartbeat, brain, activity, and breathing, the end of life to that organism. Okay, interesting, interesting. Now, I wouldn't say Webster's wrong many times because most of the time he is right. But I don't think that is the sensation of life, amen? Death is not the sensation of life. It is just the beginning, church. Amen. It's just the beginning. Just because my heart doesn't beat anymore and my brain doesn't work anymore doesn't mean I'm not alive, church. Doesn't mean that I'm not living beyond. I need to die. It's so important for us to die. If we don't die, we don't get the new body. If I don't die, I don't go to paradise. I need to die. You need to die. Welcome it into your life. Remember being at a uh, movie theater and, you know, obviously, unfortunately, the shootings that go around, I just heard, I don't really listen much to the news anymore because I don't think it helps me so much. But I did hear of it. That's the problem with going to the gym. They always put the CNN there, and CNN always loves to talk about all the terrible things that happen in the world. The world's going to end. They should just put that as a major banner of <laughs> CNN. The world is going to end, and this is how it's going to end. You know what I mean? That would be a great way to do it. But I was at a, I was at a, uh, a movie theater, and something happened. In the middle of the movie, everyone's like, everyone out of the movie theater. Someone just yelled it. And I was like, this thing just happened. I'm like, wait, we're in Westbrook? Ain't no way. No terrorists know about Westbrook. (laughs) You know, I was just thinking to myself, there's no way nothing crazy is going to happen. But then I thought, but there's some crazy people in Westbrook. (laughs) Well, amen. Um, Something could happen here. And I felt... This is the weirdest feeling I felt. Like, I might die today. And isn't that awesome? (laughs) Like, I have no control. I'm going to run. I got kids. I I want them to do well. I want want my son Noah to grow up. I want to see his grand. I want to live. Amen. I want to live. But at the same time, I was like, you know, if I go out that way, I go to paradise. And selfishly, I was excited. Not, and I was relieved that, you know, it was just someone that pulled the fire alarm, amen? Which was fine. But, but I was relieved. But, but there's a feeling that I feel that I think we need to not be enslaved by the fear of death. Amen. You need, as a Christian, to have that as your top conviction. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not enslaved by death any longer. Amen. You know, a lot of people say, I'm not afraid to die. Really? Not the way you act. Your actions show that you're very afraid to die. 
And yeah, maybe you're not afraid of your body ceasing, but you spend all your life trying to avoid the inevitable that you will die. You try all your life to, to, to deny death in your life by sinning. That's a deep thing to say, isn't it? There's a healthy way to understand death. The healthy way. Come to Jesus who has the power over death and you can welcome death when it comes. Amen? Amen. The unhealthy way is to go to sin because the enslavery of death. Why do you sin, church? Why does this world <laughs> sin? It's because we're afraid of dying. You go, what do you mean? What are you talking about? We'll get into it, amen? We'll get into it a little bit more. But let's start in the beginning. Genesis chapter 3. Are you with me, church? Amen. Genesis chapter 3. We'll start where it all began, with the snake and with two... A married couple, amen? Come on, marrieds. Come on, marrieds. Um, and, and, you know, we know the story, but let's, let's read the story again, amen? Verse 1. Now the servant was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the servant, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Then the man and wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking to the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The woman said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly and eat, you'll eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put an amenity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head. And he will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to, a ch- to, to children. Your desire will be of your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the, tree, ate from the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. We'll get back to that. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. But the sweat of your brow, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat for food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. From dust you are, and dust into dust you will return. Let's stop right there. Wow. I can't read this enough without getting deep, right? You know, the fact that Adam and Eve, people say, oh, is that real? Jesus said it was real. So I believe Adam and Eve was real. It's not an allegory. This is a real event that happened. Death was entered into this world 
because of this event, church. That's right. This event began the fact that we have funerals. Mm. The reason we have funerals is because death entered the world. Satan lied to us. He lied to Adam and Eve. Death certainly was, came into the world. Right. We're not in Eden anymore. Death came into the world through sin. Amen? But through death now, we sin. Because of death and the slavery of death, we sin. What do you mean? What do you mean? What is that all about? Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Getting a little deeper here. Um going to look at one verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So the one Adam brought death into the world. This is what he's saying. And then the one man, Jesus Christ, brought life into this world. Death came into the world because of this event. And death is now, before Christ came, what Satan had power over man with. Satan has the power over man, and I say man, man, and women. He doesn't hold the keys to death. He brings fear of death into every heart. And that is what is causing us to be depraved. So super deep. We're going to get into it more. Amen. Um, let's go to First Corinthians chapter fifteen. The first point, and these are quick points. You got to keep up. The sting of death. The sting of death. Now, we we come from a most of us come from a Protestant background, or even belief system. At Western Christianity. You know what Western Christianity is? Western Christianity isn't so much the West. It's, it's more like Rome. That's West. Amen? Eastern Orthodox faith. Come on, Eastern Orthodox. Got some Greeks in the house. You know, they come from the East part of it. You know, Istanbul, Turkey, those areas. And, and, and certainly, um, I'm glad those two sects exist because I believe... In order to be fully theologically strong, you need both. Most of the time, we only hear the Western, though, in this country. We hear the Western. The Western theology says, the wages of sin is death. Amen? And truly, that is true. Amen? Because of sin, it brought death into this world. We just read a scripture that said that, right? But what does death bring? Let's read this passage, and, and you'll never look at it again in, 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 a, in a different way here. Chapter 15, verse 55. The Bible reads, Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin. What is a sting? Now, I just got stung by a hornet the other day. It wasn't fun. I was at Noah's game, and 
Maybe this was the Lord. I don't know. But the game was going a little longer. And, you know, I was getting a little bored. Amen. My son was on the bench. And I was like, you know, sometimes it's exciting. But sometimes it's a little boring. But I'm here to support. And Noah's on the bench. So I'm like, you know what? Let me just pull out my planner and do a little uh, planning here. You know what I mean? And obviously that's like the worst. But people look at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, don't judge me. I'm planning. You know, so I'm planning. (laughs) And this bee comes by. And lands right on my knuckle. This was the Lord, probably. <laughs> I was like, get off of me. And the, this, instead of just letting, you know, being calm, I reacted, you know. And I was like, get away. And it stung me. Stung me right there. Right in the knuckle area there. You know, that's not fun. That's not a good place to be stung. And then, you know what I mean? Like, you know, my middle finger just got huge, you know. And... <laughs> I saw the, sti- the little hole there that it stung me with. Praise God, the stingers didn't stay in me. But it's a hornet. They can go on and sting many people afterwards. Amen. But, but basically, I was feeling it. And, and, and the poison in this, my body was fighting with inflammation. And basically, that's why the inflammation happens, right? We know that. Um, but a sting is a sharp, pointed organ at the end of an abdomen of a bee wasp Ant or hornet or scorpion, amen. Glad there's no scorpions at soccer games in, in, in Portland, Maine. Capable of inflicting painful or dangerous wounds by injecting poison. So that's what a sting is. A sting isn't so much, boom, it, it hurts you. What makes a sting is that it injects something into you. And what is death? If death is... The sting. What does it put in us, church? According to that passage, sin. Where does sin come from? That's the ultimate question that we've been trying to figure out for this whole time. Obviously, God gave us choice. So with choice comes to walk away from God. Anything we do away from God is sin. But secondly, sin is something that causes something, right? It causes death. But death causes sin. It's the chicken or the egg. Which one is it? Both. But we need, we we emphasize the sin part most of the time, don't we? And not the death part. And I want to talk a little about the death part. That essentially we need both sides, Western and Eastern theological thinking. We need both. Sin causes death, but death causes sin. Now, Sin causes death. We understand that, right? But what really I think psychologically makes us sin is death. And we don't understand that most of the time while we're sinning. And while this world's sinning, they don't understand it either. They're just sinning. Amen? Right. Um, 1 John 3.8 says, you can turn there, 1 John 3.8 It says that Jesus came to do something. And this is not preached much either. He came to destroy the devil's work. Here's the question. Why aren't all demons going around? Ah, ah, just going around crazy right now. I wonder. Why is it so prevalent in first century times? Not that the demons aren't still causing it in our life. But here's the thing, guys. 
Jesus, when he hung on that cross and he died, he destroyed the devil's work in your life. He destroyed the devil's work in this world and took back, took back us and took back this world that was always his in the first place. Amen? Amen. Chapter 3, verse 8 says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. A lot of times we say, oh, Jesus came down to save us. And yes, he did. And Jesus came down to die on the cross for our sins. And yes, he did. But he came down, don't forget this, to destroy the devil's work on this earth. And you, now you can realize when they were in the, 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 the desert, how epic that was. Satan was like, uh-oh, he's here. And they didn't even probably talk to each other. The look on Jesus' face was, I'm here to destroy your work. And Satan's like, no, you're not. And he said, watch me. Watch, watch what my father does. So it's it's going to, you fooled Adam and Eve, it's about to get, you're about to become the fool. And he did something amazing. By dying, he conquered death. I'm going to say that again. By dying, he conquered death. And this is the great mystery. You know, when, when uh, Paul was talking in Romans 7, you know, that's scripture that's hard to read. Amen? Romans 7. The good I want to do, I don't do. But the things I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. The word do is said many times. I do this, I do that, and I do it. It's hard to read, right? But what's he say at the end of it? Very interesting. Chapter 7, verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Present tense, by the way. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Who will rescue me from this body? So while he's talking about his sinful nature, and while he's talking about the challenges, he says, who will, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Death was a part of the temptations he felt in his life. Amen? Amen. All right, are you with me, church? Amen. So there's a sting of death that is sin. Death causes can cause sin in your life and in my life and certainly in this world's life. Amen? Amen. You know, when Jesus saw Lazarus at the, at, visited Lazarus at the tomb, it's a very interesting scripture. It's the shortest scripture ever. Jesus, what? Wept. Wept. You can always say, I memorize a verse in, in scripture. <laughs> what is it, bro? Jesus wept. You got one memorized now. Come on. But this, this word, wept, is it's not a good word translated. It's a difficult word to translate in the Greek. It doesn't just mean like you and I wept. You know, maybe uh, I'm seeing a baby be born and I'm happy and I'm weeping, right? It doesn't, we weep for different reasons. You ever just weep because you're inspired? That's an awesome way to weep. You know, feel the dreams. You just watch that movie and you're like, Ugh. you know, um, you know, great movies like Braveheart when he's like, Frida! You're just like, dudes, man, we start tearing up, right? Uh, romantic comedies. 
You know, when the person's running the airport, you know? Ah, I'm here, you know? You know? Uh, or, or great movies like Goodwill Hunting, when he's like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. I know it's not my fault. It's not your fault. Uh, and he starts crying, you're gone. You know what I mean? So that's inspiring type of crying. And then there's really sad type of crying. Have you ever cried when you're angry? Oh man, that's, a, that's an interesting cry, isn't it? When you're angry, and the best way I can say it is, at the schoolyard, when I was a kid, and I get into a fight with someone, and they're making fun of me, you know, and I remember, you, you, perfect example coming up soon, Christmas story, right? Ralphie, and that, that redhead crazy bully that I never forget, that guy, wow, they, they really casted well for that one, you know? And so he's like, ah, ha, 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 ah, and he's just laughing at him. And then Ralphie's like, Arr! he's just crying, he's just enraged. That's the cry that Jesus had here. He was indignant, the Bible says. That's an indignant type of crying. Essentially, as you heard the weepers and the wailers weeping for Lazarus, wailing for Lazarus, he started thinking about all the people that had died before, past and present and future. It hit him in a way that he wasn't expecting. You know, he's cool, calm, and collective most of the time. I'm going to wake my, la- my friend Lazarus up. What do you mean? We got to get there, Jesus. You know, he was very cool. But when he saw the tomb and when he saw the reality and when he saw death, he said to himself, I never meant it to be like this. I didn't invent death. Death is a result of sin. I never meant there to be death. I never meant there to be anything like this. And I'm mad about it. And I'm about to change it all. Amen? Amen. It's, it translates better. I think message does a good job. When Jesus saw her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. And he said, where did you put him? How does God feel about death? He hates it. It's the last enemy that will be destroyed, church. You will outlive death. How funny is that? I got to remember, hopefully... If I'm, my brain's still working. Last words are going to be, I love you, but under my breath, I'm going to say, where, oh, death is your sting. I'm about to outlive you. I'll see you on the other side. Because that's what Jesus meant for us to do. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. This is where the scripture comes from. If you... um, if you'd like some deep reading, amen. There's a little book that my good friend Jesse Fowler. Jesse Fowler said, I got two books to lend you. The first book was this book, The Slavery of Death. And look at the cover. It's super inspiring. It's black and white. And it's got just it's just got like some some tombs here at the bottom. And man, it's a great book on death. It's a great book on the slavery of death. I would encourage you, if you want to take it deeper, church, The Slavery of Death by Richard Beck. Amazing book. Honestly, I need to give this book back to to Jesse. I've borrowed it for a long time. Sorry, Jesse. I actually 
I actually, I actually bought another book because I, I want my own book. I'm going to give it back to Jesse because it's a great book. I want to encourage you, even during this, if you want to get deeper, get that book. Amen? Be ready for it, though. It will challenge the socks out of you. Amen? Hebrews chapter 2. Let's go there. How are we doing, church? Amen. Hebrews chapter 2. Um, so Satan has power or had power over this world by the fear of death. Make no mistake, we give Satan too much power sometimes, don't we? Yeah. We think he's places where he's not. What's Satan's biggest power over man? Fear. Inciting fear. Why did Satan go after the woman first? That's a great point. Why didn't he go after the man? Mm. Women, we can all succumb to fear, but women, one of the biggest struggles that I know we all have as, as a people is fear. But women especially have fears. It's instinctually in them. You know, that's what Peter says. He says, quiet and submissive heart, right? Do not give way to fear. Amen? I need to hear that scripture too as a man. What does is, what is guys get taken off? Most of the time, most of the men's sins in this world, we have both of them, is pride. And fear is an insecurity that manifests itself in pride. For women, it manifests itself most of the time as controlling. I want to control this situation. And you go, well, Glenn, Glenn's kind of being stereotypical here. The Bible says these things. The Bible says these things. And I think we need to think for a second, how does Satan attack us in our fears of death? We have to know ourselves, you know? Know thyself, amen? Know thyself. I don't know why Satan went after the woman first, but he did. He went after her first. And he said, he knows that if you eat the fruit, you'll miss out, Eve. You won't have the wisdom that he has. You'll miss out. You'll miss out. And that's what he's been saying to us all. Glenn, you're going to miss out if you don't sin. You're going to miss out if you don't take control. You're going to miss out if you don't build a legacy for yourself. You're going to miss out. But you know what? We as disciples need to say, no, Satan. You don't have the power anymore. I don't have to fear death, and I don't have to fear the slavery of death. I am free. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Amazing thing that Jesus did. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death... That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Do you know before you became a disciple, all your life you were held in slavery to the fear of death? (laughs) I laugh when people say, I'm not afraid to die. I don't even believe them. You know, I love 1 John because he just calls people liars all the time. If you claim you don't have a sin, you're a liar. You know, if you don't get in the light, you're a liar. You know, he just says you're a liar. You can be a liar and not know it, church. Right. 
And this world lies all the time. I'm not afraid to die. Really, all their life was held in slavery to the fear of death. You might want to get macho and not be afraid to die. But what motivates you? What motivates me? It can't be the fear of death. It should not be the fear of death, church. You know, Satan held the power over the fear of death in our life. And he held us slavery to sin by the fear of death. The sting, right? The sting of death is what? Sin. Sin is what did it. Sin is what did it. You know, sin is what did it. The slavery of death. How do you overcome death by death? Wow, what do you talk? What do you mean? Well, how are you going to fight death? You, 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 you have to fight it with death. A different type of death, church. A death that Jesus taught. Amen? Amen. You know, one of the things that happens, and there's like this, this, the author of this book, which is really powerful, he's a psychologist and a theologian. And so he gets deep into the psychological aspect of the fear of death. Why is there so much anxiety in this world, church? Why is there one out of every four people have anxiety? Even though the power has been taken from Satan, he's still trying to use his old tricks, those that don't have Jesus, to enslave them. I'm not saying that anxiety on a, psycho, you know, on a biological level is all the devil. Amen? But what I am saying is that he uses fears to harm our faith. And one of the biggest fears, he says, is deny death in your life and try to numb yourself to that fact all your life. It's a great thing to do. Think about it. I, I don't love to face things head on. Amen? It's not my favorite thing. You know, if you don't call someone back and then you're going to see them and you're like, I, I, what I try to do now is just go up to them and apologize. Face it, right? Face it. Humble pie. Uh, 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 let me eat that humble pie, right? We all need to do that in our life. But a lot of us, and I do it too, we hide in the luggage like Samuel. I don't want to really face this whole death thing, so I'm going to numb it with drugs. Numb it with pornography. Numb it with with success, man. Oh, success. It's, good. it's the best drug. It's going to numb this death situation in my life. Legacy. You know, think about the principalities of the world. You ever think about the principalities of the world? It's kind of an interesting thing. Ephesians say our, our battle's not against flesh and blood, amen, but against <laughs> the powers and authorities and principalities of this dark world. I sometimes just shut my brain off when I'm like, that's a little too intense for me to even think about. But it was intense. I went to the Holocaust Museum. And I wasn't ready for what I was about to see, right? No one is. But they had a whole floor on pop propaganda. And it was wicked intense. And obviously there was a, amazing stories of people that were heroic, in the, in the Holocaust situation. 
you know, sharing. That was very inspiring. But the first floor was the propaganda. And boy, was that powerful for me. As someone who influences and speaks and just to see Hitler speak, to see how powerful of a speaker he was, but then to see the one behind it all was even really hard for me. Because the proper, you know, who leads this government, church? It's not our president. Who leads this government? It's not our government. It's someone else behind the curtain. Don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain. That's what Satan always says. But there's propaganda coming at you guys. You got to be aware of this. I'm not aware of it sometimes. There's so much propaganda. You feel bad about yourself most of the time because of the principalities of this dark world. You think, oh, I, I need to get this. I don't have this on straight. I don't have that on straight. I don't have this on straight. I need to work on this. I stink. I'm stinky. I'm bad. I'm really bad at this, and I'm bad at that. I really need to get on this. And man, my 401k is not looking good. And what about this? And what about that? Ah! It comes at you, doesn't it, church? What if you just died to it all? You know, in the teen ministry, it's interesting. They call it a second conversion. I don't know if you know what I'm saying here. But someone gets converted as a younger person, and they made Jesus Lord, and they actually became a disciple. Amen? Amen? But then they get tested, if you know what I'm saying. And what happens is they either fall away or get deeper. Amen? Get deeper with God, and they have an illumination or a second conversion. And what I mean by second version isn't that they they cease to be saved. What I mean by that is you see Jesus from a different perspective. And you're much stronger. We need to have second conversions in our Christian life. Third conversions. Fourth conversions. That's how we grow, church. There's a crisis. There's a problem. There's, There's an angst. And then God takes us to the new mountain. Amen? But we got to be in the valley first. And I say that the church, as a worldwide movement, we need to have that second conversion when it comes to this. What are we living for? What's our second, what's what's our goal in life? You know what Jesus' goal in life was? To die. What's your goal in life? I'm here to die. And you, for Jesus, that's like, yeah, that's, that's true. I'm so glad you did that. I'm so glad that you died. But for us, no, that's not my goal in life. My goal in life is not to die. My goal in life is to live. And Satan goes, yes. Yes. Yes, young Skywalker. Yes. You know, Fear. Fear. Let's go to Luke chapter 9. I hope... Sometimes I'm looking at your eyes and you're like... The wheels are turning. There's a guy going like this in your brain. You know what I mean? I know it's working. Something's going on. I know. Say an amen if it's working. Okay. John, uh, Luke chapter 9. 
Luke chapter 9, verse 23. What did Jesus say? He said, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Doesn't the scripture mean a lot to you, a lot more to you now? In light of this slavery to death, you know, Jesus says if a man dies, and Sebastian shared that today, if a man dies, he produces many seeds. We have to die every day to the, the thinking of this world. We have to die every day and say, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die to myself. I'm not going to live like this world. I'm so excited about the campus ministry uh, retreat. Cower Cultural. That's what it's named. Wow, isn't that what we need to be? We need to be countercultural. I want to encourage you, when the commercials come on, speak back to them. Fast forward them if you can. But speak back to them. Those makeup commercials, sisters. Ah, this is my skin so great because I have this cream. It's so amazing, you know? You know? Then there's, then there's the, the sports stuff, you know? Oh, man. This is what I need to be. This is, how I need, this is my idol. Michael Jordan, who got divorced. It's my idol. Kobe Bryant. It's my idol. You know, this rapper, this person. Or maybe it's just the guy next to you that has a better lawn than you. Or maybe it's the, the person at your work that seems like he's got everything put together. I want to challenge us as we take it. We, this day is special mission Sunday. What we're here to do is to conquer death. Amen? Amen. We're here to conquer death in our life and in other people's life. Let's end in Revelation. Revelation 20. Death is going to die. Isn't that cool? I don't know about you. That's pretty cool. I've never seen a death and smile. But this death, I'm going to smile. I hope I can see death be thrown into the lake of fire. I want to see it. Maybe it'll be too much for me to see. I want to hear death screams. I want to hear it be destroyed. I want confirmation that death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire. Verse 14. Then death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Revelation 20.14. Next Sunday we're going to talk about how Jesus, our hero conquered death how Jesus was the victory he got the victory for us and even so much more you have already won Amen. do you walk around church like you've already won I just confess I don't I want to win that's how I walk around 
I hope I'm winning. Sometimes I'm like, I'm losing really bad. We've won, church. Amen. We've won. It just hasn't happened yet. Our life is a victory lap. I love, you know, Insane Bolt, whatever that, you know, he, when he ran. How fun was that, seeing that? It was the quickest race ever, right? Literally. And he's running around. He's just having a good time. He's doing this. He's beating his chest. He's doing all these great things. And certainly there was some pride there, amen. But, you know, he won it for Jamaica. He was so excited. It was awesome. I'm, I looked at him and I thought, why don't I live my life like that? He won a little race. And someone's going to beat his record in like a little bit here. Right? Maybe he already has. But the truth is, we need to be like that. I'm going to show next Sunday videos of people celebrating victories. Because I think you need to see how we need to live. My wife the other day said to me, Glenn, you don't seem joyful right now. It's always encouraging, right? Sometimes I'd rather her him say, you're a jerk, Glenn. I'd rather her say that sometimes than you lack joy. Because I'm like, oh, I lack joy. Oh, I lack joy. And you get worse, you know what I mean? Like, oh, let me joyful. Get joyful, you know. And, you know, again, but it's all about our perspective. I want you to give up being successful. If God brings you success, he will bring you success. I want you to do one thing. Just please Jesus. If you do that, what does Solomon say? You'll enjoy your life. Because God is the one who gives enjoyment. You see what we're doing here? We're building off Ecclesiastes. And now we're going into death. But I want to encourage you, church. Don't be afraid of death. It's the last enemy that will be destroyed and will be thrown in the lake of fire. As we go through this, I hope we have a second conversion. And I know that's a really hard thing to say. It's a hard thing. It even sounds weird for me to say out loud that somehow this preaching, somehow this teaching is going to bring a new, renewed perspective that's going to free you from fear, as certainly the fear of death. Who am I to think that could ever happen? I'm no one, but this is what changed many people's lives. The early Christians didn't live under the slavery of death, and either do we. Amen. Amen.